Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. As we continue today, today we're going to continue the series, The Promise of Restoration, about uh, today's angle is about forgiving others. To start things off, I have a very simple question. When you were younger, who was your superhero when you were younger? Who was your superhero when you were younger? Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman. Yeah, that's it. Wolverine. Any, anything up there? Iron Man. Iron Man. Uh, Mickey Mouse? Yeah. I, oh, Mighty Mouse. I was like, Mickey Mouse. We got we to expose you to more superheroes if you think Mickey Mouse. Anyone from up there? Any superheroes? Spider-Man. All right, Spider-Man. I'm surprised no one said a Chapulín Colorado. What's up? Why did no one say Chapulín Colorado? Superhero. I know not all of you know who this is, but growing up, of course, my, my dad and my mom used to always have it on TV. This is the superhero I grew up with initially. Uh, as you can tell, like I grew up to look like him a little bit. No, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. So thank God you'll never see me wearing that walking through the city of Elizabeth, so don't worry. But actually, then I actually got exposed to seeing real other superheroes. I said this a few months back, and who my favorite superhero was, was the Incredible Hulk. So the Incredible Hulk, some of you Hulk fans, a little bit, a little Incredible Hulk fans. Let's just put it this way. When I was little, I didn't like the Incredible Hulk. I used to think I was the Incredible Hulk. So when Jen and, uh, Jen and I, I didn't know Jen when I was little. Rosie, I don't know if that happens to you sometimes, like in discussion, like I, I'd be mixing names, but that's bad. But um, I was talking to, when I was with uh, Rosie, when we were little growing up, there were so many times we would get like in little arguments or big arguments. And then I used to look at her and say, I didn't say I'm the Hulk. I, the Hulk used to say a phrase. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. And I used to look at my sister and say, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. And when she knew when I said that, she would run to her room and lock the door. (laughs) Because I used to run to the back of the house. I used to stare into a mirror. I'm not even joking. Some of you will start praying for me extra after today. I used to stare into a mirror until I turned green. And for some reason, when I was little, I really believed I used to turn green. And when I got older, I found that my mom used to hang this big green dress in the background. And as a little kid staring into the mirror, I think the reflection of the green dress made it look like I was turning green. So after I would turn green, I would go out and chase my sister down 
but her door would be locked. And if I got to her and did anything to her, my dad used to salir con el cinto and then everything calmed down. My dad used to like hold his belt, come out with his belt. And then, you know, the Incredible Hulk became a little boy real quick. But, um, but it's interesting with the Incredible Hulk. And of course, there's a lot of different superheroes. But you wonder where his rage came from. You wonder where his anger came from. And there's a lot of different uh, reasons why he could have been. But I'm going to give you one of the major ones. Some of us might have not known. This is going to be a picture behind me of a comic of the Hulk. Uh, there you're going to see a little baby Hulk. And you see the Hulk's dad. Uh, uh, of course, it's Bruce Banner. And um, the Hulk's dad and his mom. His dad was an alcoholic. And he was abusive. Um, so there you, you hear the story in the comic strips uh, when it comes to everything his dad did. So as a little kid, Bruce Banner would witness this when it comes to it. And you could only imagine like the anger, the bitterness that he developed through the years because of what he witnessed happening at home. You see, right now, this moment here in this room, everyone watching us, through social media as well, there's people that are hurt. There's people that are hurt. Right now, you could be sitting here right now, and you have hurts in your heart. Every single one of us been hurt before. But right now, this moment, you came to church this morning, but you know in your heart you have hurts. There are many people that have anger and bitterness in their hearts. There are people also that are stuck in a moment. And what's crazy, before I even talk about the stuck in the moment, is that a lot of the hurts that happen to us are from people. Some people that we love, the hurts come from home. It could come from our dad or mom or grandparents, our brother or sister. It could come from coworkers. It could come from the community. It could come from people that you don't know. It could be intentional and not intentional. Like, you know, it could just been like not intentional, but yet you got hurt. You got caught in the crossfires. And how I said too, some of us were stuck in a moment. And to explain to you what I mean about being stuck in the moment, I'm going to show you a quick picture of Cuba. And you'll see behind me a picture of Cuba and you'll see cars there. And it does look like they're stuck in a moment. I remember when I went nine years ago walking through the streets, you would literally see these cars that we would go to a car show and probably pay money to see. You would see them being driven through the streets of Cuba like everyday cars. But it's as if you take, you, you take a snapshot of that and they're stuck in the 1950s. Stuck. But in the same way, some of us, are stuck in a moment too. In a moment that happened to us when we were a child. Something that occurred to us. Maybe we were abused. Maybe words that were said. Maybe we were taken advantage of. Maybe we dealt with a lot of things. We, we weren't loved. We weren't cared for. We were abandoned. 
Maybe it was a negativity that we grew up with. Maybe it was the feeling that you didn't matter. Maybe it was someone that you looked up to that disappointed you. Maybe it was someone at school that really told you that you won't amount to anything. Maybe it was your own friends that would always compare about everything that they were doing, but you always felt like you were a few steps behind and they would always make you feel like you weren't like matching up to where they were at. And I just want to let you know, no one can make you feel a way without your permission. Because they could do their actions, but you have to accept it, you have to dwell on it, and you have to receive it. So what, hap- what ends up happening through life is that we get stuck in a moment. If I tell you real quick, like, can you think of the per- a person when you were young that said something and it pierced your heart, and broke it in a thousand pieces, could you tell me who that was? And I believe every single person can. If I ask you, what is something, maybe, and this is the thing too, it's not just people, hurt comes from circumstances of life. I know during this time period of COVID, so many of us have lost loved ones, friends. There's been uh, people that have passed away in our lives that we might not understand why. There's situations that happen. Some of us, we don't know how we're going to pay our rent. We don't know how we're going to pay our bills. We're living paycheck to paycheck on survival mode. Survival. Like just trying to get through. Some of us don't even know where we're going to live after this moratorium of eviction ends in December because you don't have a job. You have nowhere to go. You haven't been able to pay your rent. So you just know that Pretty much you see the writing on the wall that the next months are going to be even harder than the last months. So all of us could have um, pretty much hurts that happen from people, from circumstances of life. And I tell you, one of, the people's, uh, one of the people that hurt us the most is ourselves so many times. Sometimes we are our worst enemy. It's not other people. It's not circumstances of life. It's not Satan. Sometimes we give Satan way too much credit, way too much credit. You know, obviously he's around trying to steal, kill, and destroy. But a lot of times he doesn't have to do the work because we're doing it for him. With our own thinking, with our own actions, we're stealing, killing, and destroying the very destiny that God has for us because of the way that we've chosen to see life and see it what the reality is. So, so many times we need just to surrender because, and look at our hearts because it stems from hurts in our hearts, things that are unsettled, things that are unaddressed, things that we choose not to deal with. In our heart, we could easily have anger, we could have bitterness, you know, like towards other people, towards situations, sometimes towards God. Like I know people that have told me, it's like, I'm mad at God. I'm angry at God. And like literally there's so many different things that could bring this anger and bitterness in our hearts. And if we don't deal with it and submit it to God and surrender it to God and forgive and do everything we can to pretty much take out the root from deep within our heart, We're going to be affected by it, not just in a moment, but every single day of our life. How many of you love coffee? 
Yeah, you got a little cafecito up in this joint. Yeah, I know many of you love coffee. Now, how many of you like drinking black coffee? All right, everyone that raised your hand after service, stay here. We're going to pray for you extra. For those of you that like black coffee. I, I have to say, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to mention names. I'm going to get in trouble. But I know someone, someone who works for Christ Fellowship, but... Uh, Pretty much, he loves to drink coffee. It's really drinking sugar because he like three-fourths of the cup is like filled with sugar. And then he puts like two teaspoons of coffee on top. I got, I got my coffee. You know, it's like, that's like the complete reverse. But I know so many of you love black coffee and um, black coffee. But when you think about it, like I remember the first time I had black coffee, it's bitter. Unless like most of the time, unless you know, like there's different ways to make it. But most of the time, black coffee, like when I try it, it's bitter, and I do not like it. So how do I deal with the bitterness? Put a little cream in it, put a little milk in it, put a little azúcar in it, and now you can put all the little flavors. I know we have a lot of pumpkin spice people up in here, you know, because the pumpkin season, you get your pumpkin donut from Dunkin' Donuts, the pumpkin spice latte, the pumpkin spice, uh, I know, egg McMuffin. No, 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 I don't know. I'm just making up stuff. But literally, you could fill your black coffee with milk, cream, sugar, all these different flavors. And the bitterness is technically still there. You just masked it with so many different things, you're distracting yourself from the bitterness by tasting the sugar, the milk, the cream, and the flavor. But let me tell you, in your life and in my life, if we're not careful, we could do the very same thing. We have bitterness and anger in our hearts, but we mask it by bringing sweetness in it, things that we like to do, things that might entertain us, bringing like milk, bringing sugar, whatever flavors, whatever other things in our life to mask the bitterness so that we don't even think about it, that we don't, we're not like, we're distracted by it, but yet the bitterness and anger are still there. Until something happens, out of nowhere, something happens and something bubbles up out of your heart that might even shock you. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me, like all of a sudden, yo, where did that come from? Why did I get upset out of nowhere, you know, or whatever it may be? So when you think about it, when that happens, it shows you that the bitterness is there, the anger is there, but you've coped with it, with all the other things that you've added, all the natural sweeteners and the artificial sweeteners, just to be able to, to appease the bitterness And we've chosen not to deal with it and address it, but walk through life with it as if it's not affecting us, but it is affecting us. And if we would truly ask those around us, do you see a change in us or do you see something impacting or changing us? They would be able to say, yeah, I see that. You're not the same person. You've lost your fire for God. All of a sudden, it's like, I don't see that drive and hunger to do God's will. All of a sudden, you're going through life on cruise control and not chasing after God. I don't see you loving others. I see you avoiding others. You're not the same person that you were before. So something is 
wrong and has to be addressed. Because we try to mask it. A lot of times we hide our pain. We medicate it because we want to numb the pain. We rather live in a state of being numb through life than really address it and truly live. I wonder how many people in this world are actually living or they're literally walking through numb, not living like a human being doing God's will, but going through the actions and the motions that you normally do. You wake up in the morning, go to work, go home, take care of your family. And then all of a sudden you start to question, it's like, what is there to life? There has to be more. Of course there's more, but you're going through the routine almost like on a hamster's wheel over and over, stuck in a moment. The hamster thinks he's going places. He's not going places. God has beautiful dreams and plans for each one of us. But so many times we forfeit what God has because we're not willing to pay the price to do the deep work of going within our hearts to see what's happening. We we rather avoid it than deal with it. We wear masks, pretend everything is okay. We come to church on Sunday and they ask you, how are you doing? 99.7.8. I don't even know if that's a real number, but point eight, you know what I mean? Of the time when someone asks you how you're doing, what's your response? I'm good. Your life could have completely fallen apart. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. And I get it. You don't want to pretty much share everything with probably specific people, but that phrase, I'm good. It's not just something that we share with uh, other people, but we live it ourselves. Everyone that's crashed, you could say, like I'm not saying physical crash, I'm thinking emotionally, spiritually, mentally, when there's a crash that occurs. When I say crash, like a devastating moment that happened in their life where it shatters them, let's say. Uh, The crash didn't happen overnight. Nothing happens overnight. Like, you know, like it's, it's mindsets that are developed after a pattern over time, ways of living, uh, actions that you choose to live by, things you, um, to do, habits that like maybe that you gave up in doing. Uh, let's say like reading God's word, spending time with them, praying daily, doing specific things to train. Uh, so all of a sudden, when, when these things are not in, the, in place, what happens is out of nowhere or unaddressed issues, unaddressed anger, unaddressed bitterness, all of a sudden a crash happens or something happens, unaddressed sin in the person's life. All of a sudden a crash happens and people are like, how? I didn't see that coming. But yet, if the person's honest with themselves, they're like, you know what, you know, it was, it was almost like if you're driving at night and, you know, uh, you start to fall asleep on the wheel. Nobody better be falling asleep while I'm teaching, though, let me tell you. Uh, um, ushers, you have permission to poke them. No, 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 I'm joking. Uh, let's say you're driving. <laughs> Russ looked at me. He's like, all right, no problem. <laughs> so, um, it, like, you're driving at night and, you know, when you start to drift and you hear the rumble strips on the side, you haven't crashed yet, but you're drifting. 
In the same way in our lives, if we're not careful, we're drifting before the crash comes. Um, I know all of you, we're all young here, right? We're all young. Amen, right? Yeah. I'm going to ask that question again because some of you, we're all young here, right? All right, we're young. So let, let's imagine we're going back to school now, okay? Some of you excited? Yes. So, some of you are like, no, man. So this is quiz time. I'm going to have a quiz for you, okay? I'm going to mention certain things, and these are red flags, red flags if you have them, that there's unresolved uh, bitterness in your heart or unforgiveness in your heart, okay? This is the first one. You're experiencing bursts of anger, okay? You're experiencing bursts of anger, like uncalled for, random moments, out of nowhere, the smallest things make you go from zero to incredible hoax status, you know, and like all, all, all of a sudden they gave you your bagel at Dunkin' Donuts and it wasn't buttered the way that you wanted to, and you threw the bagel back at the person. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like, why are you getting so upset? So you are experiencing bursts of anger. And I want you to be honest with yourself if that's the case. Number two, you are feeling a lot of anxiety, depression, and stress. You're experiencing, uh, you are feeling a lot of anxiety, depression, and stress. And of course, there's a lot of things that could bring anxiety, depression, and stress. But I want to let you know that bitterness and unforgiveness definitely can, without question. Because bitterness and unforgiveness robs your peace. It steals your peace. So when you don't have peace, you'll have anxiety, depression, and stress. And I do want to let all of you know that one of your greatest responsibilities as a Christian, as a human being, but of course as a Christian, because we know peace comes from God. Real peace comes from God. There's a lot of artificial peace out there. So our responsibility is to protect our peace, to protect our peace. Because mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, you want to make sure that you're protecting your peace. And bitterness and unforgiveness have ways to rob your peace. The third uh, statement when it comes to your quiz is this. You're replaying scenes over and over in your mind. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Over and over in your mind. There's certain scenes with people or circumstances of life that are like a broken record and you're replaying them over and over. It might be two in the morning, four in the morning, five in the morning when you should be sleeping, but yet you're playing scenarios in your mind. You're changing things as if we could go, why do we even do that? As if we could go back into time and replay our part or do things technically different. We can't. We can't go back into time to do that. But yet in our minds, we replay things over so much. Number four is this. You are gossiping about them. Okay? 
you're gossiping about them. Like if someone hurt you at a certain point or even, even now, like you could think of certain people that have hurt you. What we end up doing sometimes, you know, we know that we can't repay their hurt and we know we shouldn't repay their hurt at all. We have to love them, love our enemies. But the reality is that we end up pretty much retaliating by gossiping about them. Because that's a way that hurts them, but you don't have to deal with them directly. So if you see someone else that might know the person, you're quick to say, hey, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so is this, 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 this. And what you're doing is you're killing the person's character out of your anger and bitterness. And we know through scripture that's even considered murder because you're murdering the person, not physically, but you're destroying who they are. And we gossip about them. But I have something for you. As Christians, we take it to a very special place. As Christians, we ask prayer for them in the midst of the gossip. We'll go up to someone and be like, look, let me tell you about what's happening. So-and-so is this. So-and-so is this. All this has happened. Blah, 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 blah. Keep them in your prayers. I am, praise the Lord. All of a sudden, you, you packaged your gossip in Jesus' name. You shared it. And when you think about it, if it was a true prayer request, like, you know what I mean? Like, you would focus, like, let's say, for example, on, like, the prayer team or something specific in general terms, not mentioning the person by name. Like, you know, like, you would protect the person, but yet bring up the situation. But no, 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 no. You vomited everything that's happening. And then in the end, you said, make sure you pray for them. My question is, have you even prayed for them? So we got to be careful as Christians that we don't get caught up in gossip in the name of Jesus. So the fifth one is this. You're having a difficult time trusting others. If you have a hard time trusting others, there's something in your heart that needs to be addressed because you've been hurt. You've been hurt. That's why it's hard for you to trust others. And the enemy would want you to believe that you can't trust anyone. And I know for sure that there has to be someone in this room or watching through social media that have said this word, these words, I don't trust nobody. I don't trust nobody. I don't trust my mama. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no, I trust my mama. I'm just giving an example of what someone might say. Okay, don't go to my mommy and tell her that I don't trust her. I love my mommy very much. So, um, so when you think about it, it's like some of us like, have said that. I just don't trust anyone. And that in itself is a, it's really a lie that we've chosen to believe. And it stems from a hurt from our heart that's unaddressed. And instead of surrendering it to God and believing God that God helped me see someone I could trust, open my eyes to see someone that I could confide in, that I would be able to share what's happening in my heart. So those are five statements. So you're able to see if, I don't know how you did on your quiz, but that was for you to decide in your own heart. You know, how I said before, sometimes we blame God 
And I do want to make this clear that God never promised us an easy life. He never promised us that we're not going to go through hard times. Like, what, I mean, when you think about it, even the disciples, uh, most of them died as like martyrs, you could say. Like, you know, like martyrs for the gospel. You know, I didn't see an easy life for them. Uh, you know, so, so many times people's like, well, like nothing bad is supposed to happen. That's not true. God never promised that. He did promise certain things I want us to remember. Number one is this. You're never alone. You are never alone. He never said that you wouldn't go through hard times, but he did say that as you go through these hard times, he'll be with you every step of the way. Number two is this. He can relate to what you're going through. God could relate. And the reason why I say that is because Jesus lived on this earth for 33 years. As a human, of course, being 100% God, but he was 100% human, experiencing everything through this life. So he experienced betrayal. He, he, people that like, like uh, spat on him, didn't care about him. So many different things that he went through in his life that he could relate to a lot of the things and pains and hurts that we go through. And that's why we could talk to him. The third thing is your pain has a purpose. Your pain has a purpose. Now, that's a hard one to swallow. Like when you think about it, your pain has a purpose. And of course, God doesn't bring the pain, let's say. I mean, he, he could do whatever he wants, but there's certain pains that he's allowed to happen in our, in our lives because everything goes through God's hand because he's sovereign. Now, the hardest thing is that we won't understand why. It's just, we won't. We won't understand why or why, like, you know, like, and the questions we have, like, will never probably go answered. But in the midst of it, we still have to trust God. I know, like, there was a song I used to love listening to when, when I first became a Christian, um, when I was like 18, 19 years old, it was a song, pretty much the song used to talk about questions I have and not getting the answers for it. And even though the, uh, like, let's say the mountains may fall into the ocean and everything might happen, like disaster might happen, like I will still trust you no matter what. And, and when you think about it, I shouldn't expect to know everything because I'm, I'm not God. And, 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 when, and when you think about it, like God's viewpoint is so big that it's like from our standpoint standing and let's say there's a little ant crawling on this stage right now. Like the ant's viewpoint and my viewpoint is completely different. You know, it's two different understandings here. And it's the same way with God and us living on this life. So at a certain point, the ant has to trust me, be like, yo, come with me. Like, you don't see it, but you're going to fall. You're going to die right now. Like, you know, if you saw it fall off the stage. You know, like, there's certain things that the ant would have to trust me. And the same way we have to trust God when we just don't understand, when we don't understand. So don't miss the purpose in your pain. Sometimes w with us, like, when we have pain in our lives, 
we don't address it, we don't surrender it, we don't give it to God, or we just decide to ignore it, to hide it, to medicate it. And in the midst of it, we miss the purpose and the pain. Something that I've tried to train my own mind and heart to do is whenever there's painful situations in my life, to not only come to God with the pain, but to ask God, what's the purpose in this pain? How could you make me more like you, God, through this? And how could you be glorified through this pain? And in, our lo- in my life and in uh, Jen's life, uh, my wife's life, we've experienced a lot of pain in our lives. Uh, you know, like the death of my dad, the death of Jen's dad. You know, like Jen's grandparents recently passed away in November. Like there's a lot of tragedy that's happened. And of course, like if we sit down and try to think of all the questions or get angry and bitter and focus on that, literally we'll miss out on what God wants to do in our hearts in the midst of the pain. And I thank God that we have a God that steps into our pain and doesn't shy away and walk away. But it's our decision to give God permission to go into the deepest parts of our heart and step in to the very places that hurt. The fourth thing that God um, promises us is your suffering will only endure for a season. Thank God it's only going to endure for a season. And I know some of us might be thinking, well, Carlos, what if I've been uh, suffering since birth and I'm like 82? It's been a long time. It hasn't been like a little fall, winter. You know, it's not a little season. It's our life on this earth is a moment compared to eternity with God. So whatever suffering we might endure here is for a season compared to where we're going to be with God. The Bible, there's going to be a slide behind me. The Bible says that love keeps no record of wrongs wrong, but bitterness keeps detailed records. That's something I want you to know. You know, if love doesn't keep any record of wrong, bitterness keeps detailed records of wrong. You know when someone has detailed records of wrong, when you get an argument with them and they start quoting things from like 1983. Like, remember 1983 when you did that to me? Or whatever it is. Some of you are like, I wasn't born back then, so that doesn't apply to me. But it's when you think about it, when someone is quick to bring up the past, that's not love because love keeps no record of wrong. Anger and bitterness is quick to point out the things from the past that should have stayed in the past, but you've pulled it out from the past You resurrected it and brought it out to 2021 and brought it to the person's face. I just want to let you know, you have anger and bitterness in your heart. If you're quick to pull the past to the present, you have some unresolved things happening in tu corazón. You got to address that. Some of us might be asking, why should I forgive though? I'd rather stay angry and bitter. I'd rather fill my life with sweetness and things to mask it and distract it. I'm going to give you two main reasons why you should forgive. The first one, because forgiveness hurts me. Forgiveness hurts me. Could everyone say that kind of three? One, two, three. 
In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says this, look after each other so none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Right there, look after each other so none of us fail to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. So I love that, no poisonous root of bitterness. So one, it's poison, straight up poison. When you have bitterness and anger and unforgiveness in your heart, it's poison. I love the fact that it says it's a root because when you see roots, you don't see roots in plants and trees uh, for the most part at all. Like they're underground. So this is something that's not obvious and you have to do the work to uproot the roots. And then here it says it grows up to trouble you. It brings trouble to your life and it corrupts everything around you. I don't know if you know people, it might be yourself or someone you know. It's funny when scenarios come up, we're quick to point out other people. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, so-and-so, you know, that's my mother-in-law or my father-in-law or my uncle, my aunt, you know, like we're quick to point out other people, but we don't like to point out ourselves. But when you think about it, it's like we could easily think of people that whenever they step in the scene, they, they're corrupting the situation. It's almost these people, we should all change the atmosphere where, whenever we step into a room, you could say, or whenever we're by someone. The atmosphere should automatically change because we're carriers of God's presence. The moment I step into a place spiritually, things change. Because, not because of me, because I'm a child of God and God's presence is in me. I might not physically see it, but spiritually, let's say if there was a demon hanging out there, all of a sudden, like, oh, I can't hang out here now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden things change because the atmosphere changed because you are a carrier of God's presence. But in the same way, though, the atmosphere could change if you're a carrier of bitterness and unforgiveness. Because you see it. All of a sudden, they're complaining, having those fits of rage. Uh, They're gossiping. They have an attitude, you know, like whatever it may be. And all of a sudden, they're corrupting many around them. You see that clearly in the verse. And I love how it says, it says, uh, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you and corrupting many. There's going to be a slide behind me. Someone quoted this once. It says this, unforgiveness is drinking rat poison, hoping the other person will die. I just thought that was such a cool quote. Unforgiveness is drinking rat poison, hoping that the other person will die. So, and some of us will look at that, we're like, I would never drink rat poison, but you'll drink, you'll drink unforgiveness. you'll harbor anger and bitterness. And to me, like, that's even worse. Like, because this is something spiritually that's corrupting your soul and affecting you in its unaddressed. The second reason why we should forgive is this, because I'll need forgiveness myself. You could say in the count of three, one, two, three, because... We're going to say that again. Un poquito más alto, con ánimo. One, two, three. 
I'm going to read a verse now from the Bible. So many times we, we love focusing on verses that encourage us, that build us up, that inspire us to be warriors for the king, that brings butterflies to our stomachs, or just brings a smile to your face. I guarantee you the verse I'm about to read, is not one you have posted like in your car or on your refrigerator. I guarantee you that there's been never a magnet made in any Jesus bookstore ever in the entire world with this Bible verse. It's just, you can't find it in a magnet at all, okay? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 to 15, Jesus is speaking and he says this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Have you ever seen a magnet with that before? I've never seen a magnet or nothing with that. Not, not at all. Like, and this isn't Pastor Carlos saying it. It wasn't another pastor, elder. It's not, I didn't see it on TV, Bishop T.D. Jake saying it or whoever these super uh, pastor, uh, big mega church people. No, no, this was Jesus said that. Jesus said that. Jesus literally said, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So here Jesus saying this to his disciples, he's, he's pretty much telling anyone that's able to hear this, this is the teaching he was teaching the truth he was saying. And we're so quick to say that, of course, we have a God that forgives. But this is a part that we like to leave out. How many of us love to enjoy God's forgiveness? I love God's forgiveness. Like something I, I, I told you about certain things I do. What I do when I know I've sinned, I automatically turn to God for forgiveness and I I don't just say, God, forgive me for my sins. I specifically say what I did. I verbalize the sin that I did to expose the sin and present it before God and ask for his forgiveness. So I love that God offers forgiveness. And we also know that his forgiveness is not a license to sin. It doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want because God forgives you. That's not true. I mean, we even see this with this passage here. But God makes it clear that if we choose not to forgive others, others, or like all of a sudden, Father God is not going to forgive us. And that's a tough pill to swallow. Because when you think about it, how many people have we chosen not to forgive? And when I I think about it too, it's not just people. To me, it's also circumstances or scenarios that we don't surrender to God because we could easily hold something against God. We could easily hold something against ourselves that we haven't forgiven ourselves. Some of us beat ourselves down so much because of something we've done in the past 
that we haven't forgiven ourselves of. Some of us are not willing to step out into faith into new territory that God's called us to simply because we haven't forgiven ourselves for things of the past or how things played out in our past. We, if we look into our hearts, we could, I, I'm pretty sure we could easily find people, circumstances, and areas where we need to forgive ourselves. In Matthew chapter 18, verse, starting at verse 21, It's a powerful parable that we see here. It starts off and it says this, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, I'm going to pause there real quick. The reason why this is interesting here with Peter too is that during that time period, the rabbis would teach that we're supposed to forgive three times. Three times. That was the teach. Some of us would be like, yo, why don't we can't go back to that? Like <laughs> three times. Imagine you have like three times. Like how would most of our marriages go? Like imagine like if Jen looks at me, it's like, you're to number two already. You got one more left to make it to number three. You know, like we think about it only three times. Like the rabbis would teach that because from scripture, there were moments where God forgave three times and then pretty much the punishment came. You could say the correction came. So that's where the rabbis got that theory from to be able to teach uh, the teaching from. So when Peter turned to Jesus and said up to seven times, what was Peter trying to do? He's trying to impress Jesus. Jesus knew that everybody would, you know, it was about forgiving three times. And then Peter, you know, he's like, yo, my disciples, I'm going to step up the game here. You know, Jesus, up to seven times. And then Jesus turns around and he said, um, verse 22, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Other versions say 70 times 7, which would be 490. No matter what the version is, the principle behind this is that it's limitless. Because think about it. Peter is asking from the mindset of three, turns to Jesus, be like, up to seven, thinking he's a big shot at that moment. He's stepping up the game. And then Jesus turns around and says, no, not seven times, but 77 times. I... If we could go back in time, I wish that we could see Peter's face at that moment when Jesus said 77 times, 77 times. So here, as we continue, in verse 23, Jesus starts sharing a parable. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wants to, uh, wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, 10,000 bags of gold, money-wise, pretty much it was impossible for him to pay it back. You could picture this being millions, billions of dollars. It was an amount of money that was impossible to be paid. 
Okay, so that's the amount of money he owed. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. So think about that. It's like be sold. He got sold. His wife got sold. His children got sold. Everything he had, all his iPads, all his cell phones, they weren't iPads and cell phones back then, but everything that he had was put up on eBay to be sold. So here, all, all, all of a sudden, it says, since uh, he, he, he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Verse 26, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything, even though... That's impossible to do. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled his debt, and let him go. Okay? Have you ever had a debt canceled that you couldn't pay before? We should all be raising our hands because Jesus paid the debt of our sins when he hung on the cross. I went over here. I thought the cross was here. (laughs) It's in the front theater. When he hung on the cross and he paid the ultimate sacrifice for us, he paid the debt for all of our sins, for humanity's sin, a debt that couldn't be repaid, he paid. Now, after this happened and he was let go, verse 28, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. I'm going to pause there real quick. He was on his way out. So picture right now, like you're here, and all of a sudden, you owe millions and millions of dollars. And let's say you owe it to Pastor Harold. Pastor Harold, I'm just using you as an example. He's the billionaire here, okay? You owe the money to Pastor Harold. Millions and millions of dollars. And Pastor Harold looks at you and says, it's like, you're forgiven. You could go. You could forget. You you don't have to go. And you know that you would have been sold. You know, your wife would have been sold. Your kids would have been sold. Everything you own would have been sold. And Pastor Harold turns around and cancels your debt. Without question, you're taking him out to Tropicana after this service. Because you're going to be so happy, right? You're going to be happy. But here in this verse, on his way out. So imagine after he does that here, you walk out and you bump into someone in the lobby that owes you 50 bucks. Owes you 50 bucks. I'm going to use me. It's me. Carlos comes. Pastor Carlos, uh, you owe me 50 bucks, everything. I, like, I owe you 50 bucks. And all of a sudden, you, you have no mercy on me. What, what, what boggles my mind here is that in this story, he's on the way out. You were just blessed. You were just forgiven. You were just shown mercy. And within seconds, you forget what God has done. And you're not willing to show love and mercy to those around you. We're quick to forget. Throughout scripture, so many times you see the word remember. Remember, because we forget what God has done in our lives. 
But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants. This wasn't a stranger. This was someone that he knows who owed him a hundred silver coins. And the value of a hundred silver coins was equivalent to a day's wage, a day's wage of work. So you picture that, whatever it may be, 50, 100 bucks, whatever it may be. He grabbed him, began to choke him, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Now, this scenario sounds very much like the first one. And this is actually a scenario that could be paid back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. Who's the master in this parable? God. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he had owed. Then Jesus said this. Jesus is the one telling this story. And then Jesus says, This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I haven't seen magnets on those verses either. I haven't seen a magnet about this parable before. That's an ouch. But obviously we know that God loves us. But don't forget, because we're quick to forget, the greatest commandment. In Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40, it says this. um, Jesus was asked, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, there Jesus clearly said, love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. That's what Jesus said. But you know what the problem is with most of us? Is that it's easy for us to love God, but not our neighbor. It's, you know, if if Jesus would have said, all you got to do is love me, you know, you can treat your neighbors however you want. Jesus didn't say that. You know, and when you think about it, Jesus said uh, we have to love him and love our neighbor. But when, when we, the way we see it, we like our relationship with God just to be one way, like kind of like just between us, like uh, not with everyone else involved. Kind of like what matters is just what happens in my heart between me and God. It doesn't matter what happens with any of you and me and vice versa. It's just us, but that's not true. God sees it one and the same. If you truly love God, you will love your neighbor. And your neighbor is everyone. 
it's not just the one that's right next to you in your apartment or in your house. Because you were like, well, maybe I could do that. I'll bring him an apple pie today or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, you just take those immediately next to you. No, no, no. Your neighbors, anyone that you see in your life that you come across, the person at a crash, uh, um, cash register, the person that's pumping your gas when you get gas, the person that, the telemarketer that calls you, the person that comes and rings your doorbell and you don't want to be bothered, that's your neighbor as well. The person that cut you off while you were driving and as they were driving away, you said that they were number one. You know, like all these people are your neighbors, but God wants you to love them the same way that you love him. So, and even to the point of this, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 24, here uh, Jesus says this as well. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Think about what that, you know what that is? That verse there that I just read, that's the the greatest commandment there. You see it there, but you see it in action. It's easy to say, love the Lord your God with all your mind, strength, and uh, like everything within you. And then of course, love your neighbor. It's easy to say that. But here you see in action, here you see in action what it looks like. Someone's coming to offer a gift to God in worship. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, if you remember you have an issue with someone else, let's put your worship for me on pause and go settle things with that person because that is worship as well, worshiping me, going there, talking to them, resolving things, making peace so you don't have anger, uh, uh, anger and unforgiveness in your heart. You take care of that and you come back. And when you come back, you could offer your gift to me. You see the greatest commandment there. You see it loving God and you see it loving the other person. But it's easy for us to love God and to give God the worship that he deserves, but we don't want to deal with people. Like we, we literally want to become introverts, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and everything, like when it comes to certain people. And when you, when you think about it, what I love too, in the end, when Jesus spoke about the parable, he, when he said, this is how my heavenly father will treat you each unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. I love how Jesus says, from your heart. This isn't about artificial forgiveness. This isn't about fakeness. This isn't superficial. This is from your heart. It means you mean it. Like, and it's as if you see, your, you see Jesus in the other person, you're going to love them. I want to make this clear. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that you just deal with it, let's say, with, with God or whatever. And, and let's say you even talk to the person. Forgiveness isn't when you see the person, you ignore them, you walk away. You see them on the other side of the room, you'll probably go the farthest distance. It's like you don't want to deal with them. They're dead to you. 
That's not forgiveness. That's not forgiveness from the heart. Like forgiveness from the heart is that you're going to love them pretty much the way that Jesus wants you to love them. And it's with everything that you have. I know right now some of you are saying, Carlos, it's easier said than done. I know unforgiveness, like letting unforgiveness go is not easy. But with God's power and strength is possible, more than possible. He invites you to do it. Some of you are here and you're like, Carlos, you just don't know what's happened to me in my life. There's no way that I could ever forgive that person for what they did. And I understand that certain hurts and pains, their journey. You might need counseling. You might need to be surrounded by brothers and sisters to hold you accountable. There's a lot of things you need to do, but you need to expose that hurt and wound and address it and not ignore it anymore, not medicate it anymore, and not pretty much just put sweeteners so that you would forget about it and numb it. But you need to really dive in and deal with it before God and others. In Psalm 34, 18, it says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those that are crushed in spirit. Those, that's one of my favorite verses, just to think that God is close when you have a broken heart and saves those that are crushed in spirit. So many of us have broken hearts here today. We're crushed in spirit today. We come into church, we wear masks sometimes, we smile, but deep down inside, we're not doing well. But here we have the promise that God is close. In Psalm 147.3, says this, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I love the tenderness in that. When you're binding up a wound, you're up close, you're touching the other person, you're doing whatever it takes to make the healing happen. Right now in our hearts and minds, I just want to challenge you today to make the decision to let go of all unforgiveness, all bitterness, all anger towards a person, towards circumstances, maybe even towards God or even towards yourself. Just to let it go because just as we read from the quote, it's like poison that you're drinking expecting the other person or that you are not going to get hurt at all. But it's destroying you from the inside out. If everyone could bow their heads at this time. Father God, right now this moment, through your Holy Spirit in this room, I just ask you to reveal to every single person here and everyone watching any unforgiveness, bitterness, anger towards a person, towards you, towards themselves, maybe towards a circumstance that occurred that's out of their control, but yet it's brought so much emotion, so much destruction within our souls, God. So God, even right now as you're here revealing 
I pray that you would just bring it to the forefront. If you're here today and you know that you need to let go, you know you need God's forgiveness, you know that you need God's transformation, you know that you need God to step into your hurt and the wounds, you know that you need God to come close to bind you, bind that area that's wounded to bring healing. I want you to stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. If you're here today and you also know that you need a transformation of heart to love your brothers and sisters the way that God wants you to, we've taken for granted God's forgiveness. We live as if we're forgiven always, no matter what. But God makes it clear that he wants us to love others and to show that forgiveness to our brothers and sisters around us. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. And we thank you, God, for everyone that's standing, God. At this moment, there's so much brokenness, God. Their hearts, in so many cases, could be shattered in thousands of pieces not even knowing how to take the next step, not even knowing how to put things back together, not even understanding what happened or what went wrong. Or maybe we know exactly the person that it was. It wasn't a circumstance, a person that we've been holding this bitterness and anger um, for maybe weeks, months, years, decades. Maybe it was from when we were children. Sometimes we hold pain and bitterness given to us by people that might not even be living anymore. God, we, today, this morning, is, it's, it's a day of surrender, God. We surrender our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit. We lay everything before your throne. God, we, I ask you that you would heal the hearts that are before us, God. That, God, that you would bind their wounds, Lord God. That you would strengthen them, Lord God. God, that you would uplift them from the pit that they find themselves in, God. That the poison of bitterness and anger and unforgiveness they've been drinking, God, that you would just reverse everything, Lord God, and bring healing to those areas of their life, God. I pray, Lord God, that you would transform their mind, Lord God, that they would see things differently, not in defeat, not in sadness, not in stress or depression, not being stuck in a moment anymore, God, but God living following the heartbeat of your heart, chasing after the destiny that you have for them, not willing to let any weight hold them down anymore, Lord God. The weights that we understand and even the weights that we don't understand, God, we lay them all at your feet, God, that we would run in freedom and in liberty, God. God, transform our hearts. Give us your heart. Help us see everyone through your eyes that we would love them that we would truly love them from the very depths of our heart, God, that we wouldn't fake it, that we wouldn't be superficial, God, but God, that we would be the children that you've called us to be. And as we close, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your presence that's here in this room at this very moment. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you. Love you very much.
See you next Sunday. As a reminder, it's a united service at 10.30 in the morning. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch on demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.